Welcome to Promised Land at Home podcast, where we bring people into an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ and each other. Wherever life has you, we pray that today's sermon both challenges and encourages you. We're so glad you're listening today and hope you enjoy the message. I am not a book person. I never have been a book person. I, I, you know, I know that there's those times when it's cold and rainy and, you know, the fireplace is blazing and you just want to curl up on the couch and get a good book. And I don't understand that at all. I just don't get it. I, I would be the guy that's out there chopping the firewood for the fire and getting it ready. I've just been an outdoor person my whole life. I've always been very active. I like to get out and get busy. And hey, that's okay because, hey, that's why I'm the missions pastor. I like to go out and serve. I like to go out and do things. I always keep busy. And, and, you know, it's always kind of challenging for me because my mom... My mom is a big-time bookworm, and hi, Mom. I know you're watching out there online today. Uh, love you. And um, she's got just bookcases and bookcases full of books that she's read. I, I don't know how one person can read so many books. We have totes up in the attic at home that are just full of books that she's read. And, and my brother, my older brother, I was the younger of the two of us, my older brother was also a book person. And he's always one to read the newspaper and magazines and, and gets into books. And, and I just never was really that person. I was kind of different from the rest of my family in that way. And that's okay. There's all kinds of people out there, right? And, and I'm just not one of them. I'm not one of the book people, okay? So I apologize for that. There's all kinds of book people out there. You know, there's, there's the ones that like to give you a book, those folks that, and, and I love you, I've got stacks of them in my office and at home of books that I haven't read yet, right? And, and it's like, I feel bad. But it, it, it's, it's, it's such an a, a interesting thing when, when you're at that point in your life and you, you might be struggling with something and, you know, uh, you know, work is hard or I'm stressed out or I'm really struggling with anxiety or, or how to manage uh, work pressures or, or, you know, my team at work isn't working the way I need them or, or my kids are stirring up trouble at home or, or they're not doing well in school or they're, they're doing things that they shouldn't do or, or my spouse and I aren't getting along, all kinds of things that we get challenged with. And, and here comes the bookie and, and the first thing they do is they say, you know what, I, I've got a good book for you. I, I'll text you the name of the author and the book. And I'm like, you know what, I, I'm like really struggling right now. Like I really just need a hug and some Jesus. I don't need another book. Okay. But I love you. I love you book people. It's really me. I'm the problem. I promise you, it's not you. I'm the issue. I know it. I know it. And then there's the bosses that force you to read a book. <clears throat> Pastor Robin, please don't listen too closely to this part. I, you know, if I haven't offended all the book people, I'm going to get fired on my way out of here. So, you know, I'm going to be in trouble either way. But the boss books... The book, anybody here had a boss give them a book and tell them they have to read it or work within a team and your boss makes you read a book? I've done it many times. And why I say that the issue is really me is because I read those books and they helped. Like I never read a book that someone gave me or, or someone, one of my bosses told me to read that wasn't like an incredible book that really helped me out. 
but it's just not, you know, in my firsthand nature to go and, and read a book. Uh, I've rarely read one, though, that didn't impact me. And today I want, you, I want to tell you about a book that changed my life. And it's the book. And so I'm going to join all of my book folks out there and say, hey, I know a good book for that. It's a great book, and it's the eternal word of God. It's the unchanging, will not be shaken, unrelenting, inflexible, unyielding book that in a time of compromise offers eternal promises from the maker of the earth. It's the good book. Have you read it? I want to share some interesting facts about this Bible today that are just incredible. And my hope is that by the end of this sermon uh, that you'll feel compelled to dive into this word. If you've been reading it for years or if you've never read it, that today would be a marking day that you begin a journey into this great book. So here's some, some great facts. First off, it's the world's bestseller and has been the world's bestseller every single year all the way back to what we believe is about 500 A.D. Way before New York Times bestseller ever came out, this book is the world's bestseller, has always been the bestseller, and continues to be the best-selling book every single year. Over 100 million copies of this book are printed each year. Have you read it? And yet there are 52 countries in this world where this book is illegal to possess. 52 countries. I read that statistic, so I said, well, how many countries are there in the world? That sounds like a lot. There's 195 countries in the world, which means 25% of the countries in this globe that we live on, you can't even possess this book. Isn't that a book you would want to read? Like that alone, it just makes it intriguing. Like, wow, it's so much that governments have made it illegal. Man, that's a book that you ought to check out. Interesting fact off of Google. I think it's a fact. It's off of Google. But uh, one, of, one of the statistics I came across is it's actually the world's most stolen book. Interesting. It's, uh, this book is over 3,500 years old. The first book written is believed to be written at 1450 B.C., which makes it the oldest book that's been around for quite some time. Interesting book that you might want to read. Researchers believe that 97% of the world has a Bible, and yet studies show that only 25% of Christians worldwide have actually read it cover to cover. A study in 2021 here in the United States revealed that only 11% of the American population read the Bible daily. And I heard that even less than, the numbers were less than 5% of American Christians that have read the whole thing. Now, again, that came off Google. I'm not real sure if it's accurate, so we're going to just take a raise of hand of everybody who's read the No, I'm kidding. 
I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. We're not going to call you out and make you uncomfortable in that way. But this is a problem. 5% of American Christians, 5% of us in this room have actually read it cover to cover. This is God's love letter to us. The Word of God has everything that you need for life. Every situation you're ever going to come across, it's covered in this book. This word is eternal. It's alive. Isaiah 48 says that the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. Have you read it yet? It is written by God, and it was written specifically for you. Have you read it yet? So many people haven't read this book or have only read parts of it. And so it's worth diving into maybe some of the why behind that. Like why are so many people not reading this book? Well, when you go out there and start to talk with people about reading the Bible, one of the first things that comes up is, is it a trustworthy writing? Like how do I know? It was written by people, right? So how could I know that that's the word of God? Well, let me speak to you a little bit about the truth of this Bible today. It's 66 different books with 40 40 different authors that forms this one book called the Bible. Now, let's just think about that for a second. When's the last time you were able to get even four or five people in a room together to talk about a debated topic and where you were able to get all four or five of those people to agree? Like never, like all, we, we have so many different varying opinions and, and, and we're talking about like some heavy, deep topics here. We're not just talking about like the football score on Sunday. Like, like these are 40 different people who come together to form this, this one book, 66 different books. And here's what's really astonishing about it because those 40 authors They wrote this book over a period of 1,500 years. 40 different people, 1,500 years. But when you read this Bible, you'll see that they are in agreement with one another. These books don't contradict each other. So let's just think about that. Like, if, if we were to get, like, the president from 2021 and the, the president of 1985 and some senators from the 60s and George Washington and his group from 1776 and, and all, you know, grab a handful of people, maybe a biologist and a fisherman and a scientist and grab all those people and put them in a room. Do you think we could get them to agree on anything? I mean, our politicians can't agree on anything now, much less 1,500 years, Right. Like, that's astonishing to me, that points alone. I mean, just think about that. You think George Washington and Donald Trump would be able to put something together that anybody could stick with, right? Like, it it, it wouldn't work. But yet, in this book, 40 different people, 1,500 years, and it's in complete agreement with itself. This is the greatest work ever crafted. Have you read it? So how could I trust a book that's written by man? Well, there are nine different theories of how we got this Bible, accepted theories. And and all of them are interesting theories, and I don't have time to go into all nine of those theories right now. 
All of them are compelling from people believing that the word was inspired by God, people that, that argue against that God couldn't have written this book, uh, people that believe the Holy Spirit talked to holy men who wrote the book. But the bottom line for me is anytime you hear a theory, it, it basically means we don't know, okay? I studied science in college, and a lot of people think that science and Christianity can't go together. I personally believe that science is mankind's attempt to explain God. It doesn't necessarily mean we don't believe in God. It's just our attempt to explain God. But yet, all of the scientists, 3,500 years this book has been around, and we still don't know for sure how it came to be. To me, that alone points to its divine creator, the supernatural footprint of God himself is on this book. If that's not good enough for you, there's actually scriptures in the Bible that talk about how the book was written. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all scripture is inspired by God. So there's your answer right there. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. 2 Peter 1, 20-21 says, No prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. So right there is the answer to the common question of like, did man write this or did God write this? None of it is a, is a matter of one's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoken to by God. I like the simplest answer, which is in Exodus seventeen fourteen. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this in a book. It's as simple as that. God's command to man. And Jesus himself quoted the scriptures in the Old Testament many times, which validates their, them as being holy books of God. Where did all these books come from? Like, How do we know that the 66 books that are in here are the correct books? Like, We know that there are other books out there and they're not included in this, what we call the canon. So this Old Testament, New Testament, this is the canon. So what does canon mean? What does canonosity mean? The canon was a test that decided each one of these books and which ones belonged in here and which ones didn't. The term means to test and see which books of the Bible belong. Canon means rule or measuring rod. And in this case, it means a collection of books that passed a test of authenticity and authority. And it also means that we Christians are submitting to the authority of these books being the rule of our life. So who tested the books? Well, many different councils have tested this book, dating all the way back to A.D. 397. The Council of Carthage was the first to test it. In that council, it was surprisingly unanimous which books belong in this Bible and which books don't. And there are no books who, whose authenticity was doubted by any number of people that was not accepted. So then you ask, how was it tested? Well, let me explain that to you. The first thing is they test the authenticity of the writer. So if you're an Old Testament writer, then you had to be a, a prominent figure Someone like Moses, or a lawgiver, or a leader of tribes, or a king like David or Solomon, or an accepted prophet. And the only way you could accept a prophet if, is if by the words that were spoken from that prophet later came true. That's how we proved out all of the Old Testament. 
In the New Testament, there has to be what's called an apolistic backing, meaning if Matthew is the writer of one book, he can't just write a book and say, okay, I'm Matthew, I'm the apostle of Jesus. There has to be another author later down the road in a different book that points back to Matthew that confirms that he is one of the writers. And of course, there's the quotes from Jesus himself. In the New Testament, there also had to be divine inspiration. Obvious, like if you, if you read the writing, it was obvious that this was inspired by God. But what's the most interesting discovery that I believe that points to the accuracy of this book, despite who it might have been written by, was the Dead Sea Scrolls. And many of you have heard of the Dead Sea Scrolls, so I want to explain this to you a little bit so you understand why they are such an important discovery. You see, in 2021, well, back in 1975, I should say, before the discovery, we had all these translations. We had the, new, you know, the, the NAS and the King James Version and all these different American Standard Versions, all of them that had roots in the King James Version, but we had all of these translations... But the earliest translation we had was about 895 A.D. And so the oldest like, physical copy of the Bible that we had was only 1,500 years old or so. And so the Bible that we were reading at that time was based on what, what was on that physical copy from 897. Why the Dead Sea Scrolls were such an amazing and important discovery was when they discovered them in 1947 they found over 5,000 pieces of manuscript. And these manuscripts were 3,500 years old as they would be carbon tested and all those things. Why that's so important? Well, back then, the way we got them was they took these manuscripts and they believed they were holy. So they didn't just throw them away or burn them. They buried them. And that's how we discovered them. They were buried and they stayed buried for thousands of years. But when the scientists uncovered them, they realized they'd made this great discovery. So our Bible at the time in 1947 said so-and-so, and the earliest translation was about 897, and it said so-and-so. So what they did was they compared everything to the manuscripts from 3,500 years ago, and you guess what? 99% accurate. Which means that this book is not only accurate, but it is the most trustworthy and the most accurate manuscript of all of the ancient writings in the history of mankind. This book right here. Have you read it? It will change your life. It will change your life. And so, you know, while that's interesting, you consider the inspiration of the Bible, you consider the archaeology of the Bible, you consider the history and all the documentation of the Bible, of this great book. And all of that's great. And we can sit here and talk about statistics and numbers and all those different things of why it's a, such a great writing. But it still must pass the most important test. And the most important test is you. You must read it for yourself so that you can decide. Don't live out the rest of your days without having read this book. 
It's great when we hear pastors preaching about it and all those different things, but there's nothing better than you reading this book for yourself. And there's so many people out there who want to talk about whether this book is accurate and what does it mean and and all those different things. And, And my first question for them is, have you read it yet? Because how can you speak anything about this book or anything about God for that matter if you haven't read the book for yourself? I love reading this Bible. One of the reasons why I have bookshelves full of books that are collecting dust on them is because in 2008, I made a decision that I was going to read this Bible for myself. In 2008. And this book changed my life. I'm going to share a little bit of my testimony with you. In 2008, this Bible was given to me as a birthday gift from my family. And I decided that I was going to embark on a journey to read this thing cover to cover. And I decided to inscribe on the inside cover a little bit about my journey through this Bible. And I want to share this very precious testimony with you guys that I hope that one day, you know, my great-grandchildren will see an old Bible like this and open it up and see my writings on there. But needless to say, I'll share this with you. This Bible was finished on Wednesday night, September 26, 2012. So three and a half years later, after the time I started reading it. I testify that this is a living word, having personally experienced my own personal change as a result of having read this book completely and fully. And so is the change in me, yet I know that more is to come as I continue to read it. 2012. In 2013, right after having finished read this, reading this Bible and nothing else, only this word, I decided I was going to read it again because it was that powerful. So I said in 2013, I'm on my second journey, and I can see that it's a living word. I see that I am having a different understanding and interpretation from the first trip through. How amazing is our God and his word? I love this one. June 6, 2019. Let me testify to the power of his word. I'm nearly done with my second full journey today. Second full journey, and today I will be officially ordained as a pastor. God is good right here on this stage. And it goes on and on and on. I'm on my third journey through the Bible now, and I just love this word so much. Hebrews 4.12 is a great scripture that talks about this word. Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of your heart. I'll never forget, my wife is from Tennessee, and our family's out there, her family's out there, and we go visit them every couple of years, and, and her, her grandfather, Papa Loy, such a great man of God. He was really the first person in my life that really uh, encouraged me 
that we should build our marriage on Jesus Christ. And I kind of had to listen to what he was advising me because we were getting married on his property by his pastor. So he forced, well, forced us to, you know, go to some counseling with his pastor. And it was really the first time I'd really considered the thought of having a marriage based on Jesus Christ. And fast forward a few years later, we were back there visiting and, and I was reading my word and, and I, I just remember walking there downstairs. We were staying at his house, big old house and in the hills of Tennessee, and um, I walked downstairs to do my evening Bible study, and, and there was Papa Loy sitting down at the bottom table in his little uh, study area, and, and I was asking, oh, you're reading the Bible, and, and I'll never forget that he looked up at me, and I would say he was about 81 years old, 80, 81 years old at that time, and we just talked for a few minutes about it, but I'll never forget the look in his eye. When I asked him if he was reading, and he just looked at me and said, isn't it just wonderful, the word of God? And it occurred to me that moment that I was in my 40s, and here he is in his 80s, and he's still reading the Bible with the same energy and enthusiasm. This Bible never gets old. It's always a fresh word. And I just pictured myself, fast forward, 40 years from now, what's my life going to look like as I just keep journeying through this Bible again and again. And again, such a wonderful word that we have. And I want to just share with you in closing just a couple of last things. Why it's so important that we follow the discipline of reading the word of God. When you read the word of God, you ingest his word directly into your being. So many people out there are looking for change and looking for answers and how do I cope with grief and, and how do I cope with anxiety and, and how do I cope with just life in this difficult planet? I, I talk to so many people and pray with people here at the front and in the prisons and everywhere else we go. God, like, I want to pray for my purpose in life. So many people seeking their purpose. I'm here to testify to you that your purpose is in this book. It's in here. If you're seeking God, read the Bible. It'll change your life. This will change your life. Our younger generation, the, the, new, the new thing that we hear so much is identity, people seeking their identity. If you're seeking to know your identity, seek right here. This is where the answer to that question lies. When you read the word of God, cozied up on your couch with a blanket and a fire he's going to speak directly to you and, and you won't get my interpretation and, and there's nothing wrong with the pastors preaching on Sunday our pastors here and, and other pastors do a wonderful job 15 years I've been watching and listening to the pastors here at promised land but nothing beats reading this book and hearing God speak directly into your soul that's what happens when you read this book. I love this word. It brings me peace. There's always an answer to my questions. It guides my behavior in a world that's full of provocation and temptation. Society says one thing. I can go and test it against what God says right here in this book. Have you read it yet? 
helps me to make all the difficult decisions in life. I wanna encourage you to not wait, to not put it off any longer. Don't live out the rest of your days without having read this book. Every person should read this book. And then after that, you decide. But don't decide on any of that, any, any important anything in your life about who God is and what he can do in your life without having read this first. Amen? Amen. Would you stand and pray with me? With every head bowed and every eyes closed, just want to take a minute and reflect on what God is speaking to us about today. I'm just kind of curious myself, again, if keep your heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm just curious if there's people in the room today that feel God calling them to go and read this book cover to cover. If you're out there, raise your hand so I can see who you've impacted today. God, glory to you, God, glory to you. You can put your hands down, hallelujah. I'm so excited about what God is gonna do in your lives. And I just encourage you to dive in and don't stop. Don't stop. I wanna read an inscription to you while we're in prayer. It's an inscription in my Bible from Charles Caldwell Ryrie. He's a PhD and a theological doctor as well, THD. He's the one that wrote all the inscriptions in my Bible. And I quote him in saying that the Bible is the greatest of all books. To study it is the noblest of all pursuits. To understand it is the highest of all goals. The most important thing and often the most difficult step in Bible study is simply opening the book to read it. And I pray in Psalm 119, 105, according to your word, Lord says, the word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Psalms 119, 9 through 16 says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. With all my heart I have sought you, do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have told of all of the ordinance of your mouth. I have rejoiced in your way of your testimonies as much as in all the riches. I will meditate on your precepts and regard your ways I shall delight in your statutes. I shall not forget your word. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I just pray for your people today, Lord God, that they would hear you speaking clearly to their hearts, Lord. Lord, I pray for conviction in the house today, Lord God, for people to pick up this wonderful work, Lord God, and discover all of the unsearchable greatness of you and your mighty power and your deliverance, Lord God, and how wonderful and beautiful you are, Lord God. We're hungry for you, Lord God. I pray that you would feed us with your word. I pray that you would be a, a spring and a well of life to us through reading in your word, Lord God. And I pray, Lord God, for commitment in this room today. Give us illumination 
God, Lord, help us to understand this word that sometimes can be complicated. Give us illumination and understanding, Lord God, and guide us, Lord, with your word, according to your word. And Lord, we give you glory and we thank you that you've given us this great tool to help us understand this crazy and interesting and confusing place that we live in, Lord God. We thank you for your word. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget we want to connect with you. You can find us on Facebook and YouTube by searching Promised Land San Marcos, on Instagram at PSM Church, or on our website, psmchurch.com. Thanks again for listening to the Promised Land at Home podcast.